It's the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. And this is the weekend when Jesus asks his disciples the big question, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, You are the Christ. But in Luke's version of this story, after Peter answers, there is no praise for Peter, as in Matthew's version, and there is no refusal by Peter to accept Jesus' suffering, and Jesus does not rebuke him, Get behind me, Satan, as in Mark's version. Instead, Luke focuses directly on the whole suffering part. If we are to accept that Jesus is the Christ, what does that mean for us? It means that we have to accept his suffering. The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected and be killed and on the third day be raised. And then he tells them the important part of what it means to be a disciple. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If you wish to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of Christ, you will save it. And that's the paradox of Christian discipleship. Recently, I heard about a fascinating scientific study saying that what sets humans apart from other intelligent animals is not just that we have the awareness that others are aware of us, but that we have the ability for denial. We survive by denying the fact that we will one day die. In a way, this is true. Human beings are masters at denial. We deny that smoking is bad for us, that sex outside of marriage is destructive, that eating too much will harm us, that we are destroying the environment. In a sense, we live by denying death. But Jesus is not saying to deny death. He says that we need to accept death. We need to lose our life. In a sense, we have to deny life. Now, this might be a little confusing here, and I don't want to imply that I'm saying that we have to deny life to others. No, we need to always choose life. But in the sense of choosing what gives us life, that will only come when we deny ourselves all those things that we want, when we remove ourselves, take up our crosses, and accept death in Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus asks us who we say that he is. But I think he's also asking us, who do we say that we are? Are you someone who follows Christ while at the same time seeking your own benefit, your own success, your own gain? Or are you someone following Christ, even if that means following him to the cross? Because that's the only sure way to eternal life. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. First of all, congratulations to Barbara Ann Kinnear, who won a copy of Audrey Assad's Heart. Barbara, if you're listening, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, so we can mail you your prize. Also, we're still trying to contact Linda Savary Edwards of Little Rock, Arkansas, so she can receive her copy of Amanda Vernon's Interior Gaze. Linda, please contact us. Otherwise, we may have to give your prize to someone else. And if you'd like to enter our weekly draw, you have to go to saltandlighttv.org radio, scroll down a bit, and look on the right side where it says Stay Connected for a Chance to Win Weekly Prizes. All you need to do is enter your name and your email address. Every Saturday, we draw a name. And this weekend, we're giving away a copy of last week's featured artist, Emma Frads, a copy of her album, How the Other Half Live. 
And today we have all our usual features, and our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, returns to tell us what she learned from her kids this week. That'll be in about 15 minutes. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with the anchoress. That's how she's known in the blogosphere. Her real name is Elizabeth Scalia. And she has a new book that unmasks the many gods that we worship today. And we will also have a featured chat with a talented new singer-songwriter from spiritandsong.com, Sarah Kroger. We're going to be listening to a few songs from Sarah's first album, Your Time. So here she is with the title track, Your Time.
That was Sarah Kroger with Your Time from her new album of the same name. We're going to be chatting with Sarah in our second half hour and in about five minutes, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. But first, Chris is here with our news. Well, Pedro, there was a notable change to the prayers of the Mass, particularly for those who have a devotion to St. Joseph, and I know that you do. Yes. Pope Francis made his first liturgical decree since his election. He confirmed a decision that was originally made by Pope Benedict and the Congregation of the Divine Congregation for Divine Worship and the Sacraments has announced that the name of St. Joseph will be added to the second, third, and fourth Eucharistic prayers. It will become immediately after mention of the Virgin Mary with the words, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse. And the decree recognizes St. Joseph as an exemplary model of kindness and humility. The addition came after petitions were received from around the world for the inclusion of St. Joseph, and although official implementation will take some time, a congregation official said that due to the simplicity of the addition, priests can begin using the new text immediately. So you can listen for that at Mass. Now, bad news for pilgrims intending to go to Lourdes. Uh, there's been major flooding caused by heavy rains at the site of this shrine to Our Lady of Lourdes in France. Authorities have evacuated some 200 people, most of them camping on grounds that are near the shrine. And uh, for those who aren't so familiar, the Lourdes Grotto is where St. Bernadette witnessed an apparition of Our Lady in 1858. And millions of visitor, visitors come there every year, but now this shrine is under as much as five feet of water. And it's not the first time that they've had flooding there. In fact, just last October, when I happened to be in, in the area, there was heavy flooding that caused about $1.5 million worth of damage. Fortunately, the Basilica of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, the church, is safely out of the reach of floodwaters. It's on higher ground. But unfortunately, um, there already has been at least one death. A woman in her 70s uh, was washed away uh, in the floodwaters. So hopefully this flood will be ending very, very soon. So another, yet, yet another uh, uh, natural disaster in that area. And finally, Pedro, there's an update about World Youth Day for English-speaking pilgrims. They've announced a welcome center for those pilgrims that's going to include prayer and worship experiences, music, media videos, motivational speakers, cultural presentations, and networking activities as well. And so this welcome center for English pilgrims is located at a site called Vivo Rio, which isn't far from all the other World Youth Day activities that are around the city. And those activities are going to be taking place on the afternoons and evenings from Wednesday through Friday of World Youth Day. There's going to be a special gathering for American pilgrims as well as another for Canadian pilgrims. And uh, some of the artists who are performing are artists who have been on the Sultan Light Radio Hour. Absolutely. Steve Ang Angrisano, Jesse, Jesse Managusen. Yes, uh, J the Jacob and Matthew Band, and Danielle Rose. Yeah. There's also going to be a vocations festival, and uh, there's going to be broadcasts of Sultan Light television broadcasts from this site, as well as uh, the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM Radio, where yeah, this yeah. show um, is heard. 
and uh, they'll be conducting interviews with pilgrims who are there. And this Welcome Centre is a collaboration between the American Bishops' Conference, the Canadian Bishops' Conference, the Australians, those from England and Wales, and a bunch of other ministries, uh, organizations like the Knights of Columbus, the Holy Cross Family Ministries, and of course, Salt and Light. I know this news is very pertinent to us because that's going to be our home base. Exactly. Uh, so if you're in Rio for World Day, make sure you come visit us. Thank you very much, Chris. Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your comments via Facebook at facebook.com slash slradio1. Hi, I'm Sheridan, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Visit us there and stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly music prizes. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Deacon, how are you? I am good, thank you. You love when the Saint segment starts. You just jive to the music when it's on. we're all dancing here in the studio. I still hold to the fact that I have the best I think not only are we dancing, but the community of saints, the whole communion of saints is dancing for your segment because it's all about saints. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this week we're going to look at Blessed Nikita Budka. Not many people know about him, no. but um, Blessed Nikita has a Canadian connection, which is very interesting. Okay. So he was born on September the 7th in the year 1877 in the town of Dobromirka in Ukraine. Okay. He's Ukrainian. He arrived in Winnipeg in December of 1912. So that was about 101 years ago. The Ukrainian community okay, celebrated. I was going to say, because there's a big Ukrainian community in Winnipeg. Well, yeah, not just Winnipeg, but even across uh, parts of Saskatchewan, yes, even a little bit true. into Alberta. Yeah. So um, we celebrate the 101st year of his arrival in Canada and Winnipeg. On December the 22nd of that year, just a few days later, his investiture was held in St. Nicholas Church. Mm-hmm. Um, the tasks for the first bishop were very monumental because the diocese stretched all the way from the Pacific to the Atlantic. Wow. Can you imagine how much territory you have to cover? That's a big country camp. Uh, approximately 150,000 Ukrainians uh, needed spiritual spiritual direction, and approximately 80 churches and chapels had to be ministered to. Um, initially, there were only 13 secular priests and nine monks, and that included the bishop's secretary um, who accompanied him to Canada. Now, you might ask what... Uh, the role of a bishop is? Well, the bishop's work focused mainly on visiting the faithful, um, praying with them, strengthening them in their faith, and organizing new parishes, starting them up. He worked hard on the Incorporation Act to legally safeguard church property, which before his arrival was often the cause of misunderstandings and led to divisions within parishes. Mm -hmm. The bishop directed much of his effort to building educational institutes and boarding houses for Ukrainian students and also organizing parochial schools and catechism instruction for children. Um, you know, they didn't have access to government-funded Catholic education, so um, they had to organize parochial, parochial schools. Um, of great assistance to the bishop in Canada were the Sisters Servants of Mary Immaculate, um, who arrived in Canada 10 years earlier. Um, now, Metropolitan Andrei Sheptivsky's visit to Canada in 1921, he's a huge leader recognized in the Ukrainian church, um, added to Bishop Budka's work. During his meetings with the faithful, the Metropolitan continually encouraged them to remain united, to further their education, and to preserve as much as possible the religious and cultural 
um, traditions. That's always important for anyone who comes to Canada, you know, to preserve a little bit of their their background. Absolutely. Um, in 1927, after 15 years of hard work strengthening the church in Canada, the Ukrainian church, Bishop Nikita returned to Europe to submit his report to church authorities in Rome. Um, and because of his health, his health um, declined. He did not return to Canada. He became the vicar general to the Metropolitan uh, Metropolitan Sheptivsky in Lviv, oh. which is in Ukraine. He was also appointed canon to the Council of Consultors. Uh, for those of you who know your history, you know that the Soviet army invaded western Ukraine in 1939. That was around the time of the World War II. And within a year, exiled hundreds of thousands of people to eastern lands in the Soviet Union, which is now Russia. The Nazi forces pushed the Soviet army back in 1941, but not before the latter. They murdered countless people. Um, official numbers are still not known, and often with unspeakable methods. Um, I don't even want to know how, how they died. We all know about the, the period of the Holocaust and whatnot, so that was a very tragic time for people to die. Um, church leaders warned the nation of the danger of the Nazi regime, and it soon became obvious that they were no better than the Soviets. The Soviet forces returned at the close of the Second World War to occupy all of Ukraine. At that time, the church was respected as a strong moral voice among the people, and therefore the Russian occupying forces hesitated to take on the church directly. Um, when Mon Metropolitan Sheptivsky died in November of 1944, um, he left another leader, another successor. Um, Moscow decided that action had to be taken soon. April of 1945, the communist authorities arrested uh, Blessed Nikita, um, together with all the Ukrainian Catholic bishops, hundreds of priests, hundreds of sisters, lay leaders. He was sentenced to eight years of hard labor in Siberian exile. I can only imagine that. When there, even though he himself was subjected to hard labor, torture, the cold, um, and everything, he continued to be a very loving pastor. He was very known for that offering what spiritual comfort he could to those who, um, who were with him at that time. Within four years, Blessed Nikita died on October the 1st, 1949, and that was in northern Kazakhstan, um, which is in the Russian neighborhood, so to speak, yeah. very close to Russia. Um, one account, one legend, relates that his body, as was the usual practice, was left to the wild animals in the mm. surrounding forest. So... Um, in Lviv, Ukraine, on June the 27, 2001, Blessed John Paul II declared uh, Nikita Budka a martyr for the faith. So okay. we are waiting his canonization, um, and uh, we pray for him and his intercession. Interesting. I his feast day, so you know, is this coming Thursday. June, it's June the 27th. June 27th. I thought people, um, maybe this is a question for our listeners, that as soon as you were declared a martyr, you were automatically canonized. So I'm intrigued that he's been beatified. You, you mm -hmm. keep calling him blessed. Mm -hmm. So Blessed Nikita Budka. Well, he's known, I remember, because um, being at the Canadian Bishops Plenary Conference, yeah. and when they have the Ukrainian gathering, they pray yeah. to Blessed Budka. Yeah, right? yeah. So, well, well, there you go. Thank you very much. Uh, have a great week. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Hey, Audrey Assad here from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can also find me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, and on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Hello, 
How are you? I'm good. So what did you learn from your kids this week? Um, well, it's a pretty general lesson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty general lesson about planning, as you might be able to tell. <laughs> yes, I can tell. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yes. We are a planning people. We like to have a schedule. and um, yes. well, I, I like to have a schedule. It doesn't always go by my schedule, but I didn't realize how much it's rubbing off on my kids until uh, Father's Day when uh-huh. um, Joseph had a very busy schedule planned for our Father's Day day that involved a hike and um, picnic and a restaurant supper and we wanted to go swimming and we had to do church too, And but he had everything figured out when we were going to do what. Um, so that was my first uh, witness of Joseph's planning skills. I was very pleased with him. <laughs> um, but where the lesson comes in is actually with my second son, Henry, uh-huh. who um, we have recently discovered that there will be, this summer, there will be a movie coming out about airplanes. It's an animated movie about airplanes. Uh-huh. So we had watched the trailer a couple of times, and both boys got very excited and were excited, eager to find out when it was coming out yeah. in the theater. So Henry, uh, after I told him, it wouldn't be till later. He got his shoes on. He said, let's go. And I said, where? To see the planes. Oh, Henry, <laughs> it's not, we're not, it's, it's, we, we have a bunch of things we're going to do first. First, we'll go visit Grammy and Papa in Saskatchewan. Then we'll come back and then Annie will turn one and then the movie will be in the theater. Right. So with his shoes on, he announced, well, let's go to Grammy and Papa's. So <laughs> he just wanted to get moving and get things going. And it just reminded me, it made me laugh, but it also reminded me that... We can't always be stuck to our plan um, and rushing through all the details of our plan in order to get to where we want to be. But we just need to enjoy the day-to-day. We can't let our plans get in the way of the everyday Mm -hmm. um, because that's where the good stuff happens is the little moments of every day. So while it is exciting to have goals and certain things that we know that we want to do, we also just, I need to (laughs) sometimes just let go (laughs) of that schedule, let go of that plan and just enjoy the time every day that I have with these people. That's so good. So just remind us, how old is Joseph, the planner? Joseph is four. He's four and he had a full schedule planned yes. out. <laughs> and Henry is two. And Henry is two. And yeah. so that's And he has 10 months and she doesn't have many plans right now. No, except uh, eating, eating stickers off the floor <laughs> or whatever she finds. Um, th- important lesson. That's a lesson for me too because I like to have a schedule. Mm-hmm. So and and sometimes when the schedule has to change, I'm not very happy. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're doing, you know, media work and TV interviews and radio <laughs> programs and stuff. Anyway, it sounds like you, you have a party going on back there, so a I'm going to let you go. Um, uh, it's been good uh, talking to you, not just today, but this whole season. Thank you for your words of wisdom and the words of wisdom of your children. Well, thanks for your question. It's good. It makes me stop and think every once in a while. Good. Hopefully it'll, it'll do that for, for our listeners as well. Yeah. So enjoy the rest of the summer. Thanks, you too. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she is a wife and a mother of three. Hi, I'm Andrew Santos, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Listen to uninterrupted Catholic music on Salt and Light Radio at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Christian music like never before. Check out our website to find out how you can listen online and on the go on your mobile device. 
Here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, my friends. World Youth Day is fast approaching, and what that means is that there are lots of send-off events at this time of the year. Now, these events are a great opportunity to support young people as they set out on that grand adventure mm-hmm. of a lifetime. This year, there's approximately 80 pilgrims attending from the Archdiocese of Vancouver, and their official send-off event is tomorrow, Sunday, June the 23rd. And the afternoon program is free and open to all young adults, um, which will be followed by a Mass at 5 p.m. and Archbishop Miller's Blessing. And then in the evening, there's a dinner and live Brazilian entertainment. The dinner and evening program is a ticketed event, so that's $10 for a ticket, but it is open to everyone, so you can find out more at rcav.org, and you can stay connected to these pilgrims as they journey around uh, Rio um, through the same website. In Edmonton, Alberta, the World Youth Day Commissioning Mass is Saturday, July the 6th, and that's at St. Albert Parish from 2 to 9 p.m., and this is a great day of reflection and prayer, and it's also an opportunity to learn more about the Oblates of Mary Immaculate and their spirituality, because at the same time, you'd be learning about the Archdiocese of Edmonton's history, because they're very closely linked. Uh, The Archbishop Smith will be in attendance, and together they'll have Mass, Dinner, Adoration, and Spirituality. And you can register for this event at caedm.ca slash youth. And for those who won't be able to attend in person to World Youth Day Rio, there is an opportunity to celebrate World Youth Day at Home with the One Rock World Youth Day at Home event. And that's being held in Calgary July the 26th through the 28th. And now this event will mirror the World Youth Day closing weekend in Rio and will consist of a live feed from the event along with six bishops, which have already confirmed their attendance. They'll have a Stations of the Cross dramatization, reconciliation, a priests versus youth um, soccer game. Nice. Yeah, which is, (laughs) I think it'll be really fun. Very Brazilian. Yeah. Catechesis with bishops and, of course, a concert with Audrey Assad. Now, truth be told, if I wasn't going to Rio, I'd be going to this event. Nice. Yeah. So that's onerock.ca for more information. And that's all from me this week. Excellent. Thank you, Sheridan. Coming up in our second half hour, unmasking the idols in everyday life and a chat with singer-songwriter Sarah Kroger. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm sure that when most of you hear the first commandment, Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, you're not thinking about all the things that you love. Actually, most of us think that idolatry is a thing of the past. But there's a new book, Strange Gods, that shows us otherwise. In it, author Elizabeth Scalia unmasks the many gods that we still worship today. I had the chance to speak with Elizabeth Scalia earlier this week while she was at the Catholic Media Conference in Denver, Colorado. 
Elizabeth, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. So nice to talk to you, Deacon Pedro. So I think that a lot of people know you as the anchoress. They know about your blog and they know about Patheos. I can't even pronounce it. dot com. Can you can you tell us a little <laughs> bit Pathios. about Patheos? Tell us a little bit right. about what that website is and what your goal is uh, for that. How it works. All right. Well, Patheos um, was originally developed as a as a resource for uh, colleges, a, an academic resource to help people find not just information on religion, but the correct really information, the historical information. Um, and then it devolved, uh, evolved rather. Um, they kind of realized that what we need is actual people living these religions, talking about them. And so um, they created this little name, Pathios, which is kind of a portmanteau. It's, it's path, and Theos is God, so the path to God. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, they, they brought in evangelical Christians and progressive Christians and uh, Jewish writers and even atheist writers, and when they were looking for somebody to put the Catholic side together... Um, I was very fortunate that they came to me. It's been a very good experience. So each each portal almost operates as its own blog or its own sort of uh, site, yeah, um, microsite? The, the, the site has many channels. In fact, they're, they're putting together a, an Eastern Orthodox channel now. And um, within the channel, there are a number of uh, writers of that faith tradition. Right. That was a little when I first when I first was approached about it. I had to pray about it a lot. I actually dawdled about making my decision because I was a little leery about equating Catholicism with any other religion and saying, "Well, they're all equal," kind right. of thing. Right. Um, but then I, the more I thought about it, and the more I prayed about it, and, and talked to people about it, I realized someone is going to run this. Yes. And might as well be you. <laughs> I might as well do it because yes. I know how I feel. Yes. About how there's a duty to represent the truth of the church. Absolutely. And it's okay to, and it's okay to say I struggle with this because it's not easy to be a Catholic. Yeah. But it's good. You know, I didn't, I didn't want a big dissenting fight, you know, you can go right. other places. Yeah, that. yeah, for sure, for sure. So so you you're the editor of the the Catholic portal there and you're also write your own blog The Anchorist and now you're also an author because you have a book, and this is the book that we want to talk about, Strange Gods. What uh, what made you write this book about idolatry? You know, I, um, I spend a lot of time either reading about religion or reading about politics, and um, the last, couple, last few elections have um, made me wonder if our ideology sometimes doesn't become an idol, if we kind of lose sight of this other people and what God wants of us, because we're so busy categorizing everybody and saying, well... You know, this person's a Democrat, and this person's a Republican, this person's a conservative, and this person's a liberal. And then once we assign the labels, of course, we completely negate them. Yeah. And we kind of get all wrapped up in that, and we forget God, too. And God has things he wants us to do for and with each other. Mm -hmm. And once we started labeling each other, we can't do that anymore, because we can't even see each other. Right. Um, So the more I thought about that, and the more I prayed about it, and Gregory and Nyssa um, had a line that really spoke to me. Uh, ideas create idols, only wonder leads to knowing. And I really pondered that for a long time, and the more I did, the more it seemed to me that my own life was full of idols. Mm-hmm. And my own ideas were idols, and I began to just really think about that a lot. And then one night, I, Ave Maria had approached me about a book idea, and I was dawdling about that, too, because obviously I don't like to make decisions. <laughs> and one night I was just trying to get to sleep, and the entire book just kind of popped into my head. 
Uh, and I got up and I wrote the outline because I've learned that when, yeah. when the Holy Spirit does that, you just go yeah, act. Absolutely, absolutely. And I sent it to them. Exactly. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, I said, here's the book. Is this what you want? And they were like, yeah, okay. And then... You know, it was a matter of writing. It. So, so, so again, let's maybe maybe I uh, define some of these things. So, when you talk about idols, um, how would you define an idol? Then, are we just talking about anything that replaces God in our life? Um, you know, I went back to the first commandment. I went back to the ten commandments, really. But the very first one is, "I am the Lord thy God, and you will not have strange strange gods before me." Yeah. And I thought about that, and I was like, well, why is God saying this? He's not saying it because he's an insecure God mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, needs us to all be saying, oh, God, you're wonderful all the time, yeah. although we should do that. Um, so there's a reason why he keeps telling us, don't put anything between us. Um, and, and that, the, the word between, is what sort of grabs me, because when I say God before us, or, or do not put God anything before God, we think of that in terms of time, concept, um, you know, yeah. An, an amorphous sort of belonging, but I was literally thinking in terms of between. Okay. For example, if you put a, a screen between two people, yeah, they absolutely. can't see each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, get it. And if you're putting things between God and you, before God, it's also before yourself, and that's the thing you're seeing. And then God has to find some circuitous route to get to you, and you right. have to find a circuitous route to get to Him because you, you're blocking Him. So idols are th- things that get in the way. Essentially, yeah, uh, t- the things that get in between and and become so big in our yeah, lives, yeah, that so, we completely lose sight of God. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you say is that legitimate loves can be twi- can be twisted into idols. How can a legitimate love, if it's legitimate, be twisted into an idol? Um, you know, I kind of live that in one respect. I come from a family where there were some really, um, really people with very strange ideas and and they they made it difficult for their children to um function in life as normal people mm-hmm. because they were so busy trying to keep them close because they loved them so much right that right i mean real love god's love it, it didn't mind love at all it was it was love that was disoriented and disordered because god's love frees us i mean god created us one of the great things that pope benedict stressed many times is that God loves us so much that he gave us the freedom to not love him back, right. to literally walk away yeah. and and still be there for us. And that's the love that we're supposed to model for each other. So when you have a love that is so possessive, so careful, so worried um, that people can't live within it, that's a disordered love. Or um, you could even look at the liturgy, the people who are really, really yes. into liturgy, yes, um, and they spend their whole time at Mass loving the liturgy, but yes. then hating everybody who's in it because they're not doing it right. <laughs> yes. That's a disordered love. Yes, <laughs> you know, absolutely. If you're at Mass and all you can think of is the priest is not doing it the way I think he should be doing it, then you're not really at Mass. Absolutely, absolutely. So so one one other thing that you say is that you contrast idolatry with authentic worship. So, I mean, the liturgy is a good example again. Um, but w- what would you say is authentic worship then? Well, it's not self-interested. It's, okay. it's worship that surrenders. Um, you know, again, taking this example of either parenthood or attending Mass. I mean, I love God, I worship God, and I realize that it's all in His hands. Mm-hmm. And my trying to take it back is, is not part of worship. Right. Um, and the same thing with the liturgy. You know, if I'm sitting there judging everybody who's attending the liturgy, then, then my worship is 
really not authentic at all. Yeah. I, I can even give you, uh, to some extent, the, the 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 whole idea of like traveling, coming to this media thing. Yeah. You know, I like to feel like I'm in control of my life. But you get on an airplane and you basically have to say, this is yours. You know, this is all going to fly however you want it to fly from the moment I step on this plane until I get home and, and like every day for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and yeah. so it's it's really that notion of surrender being the most authentic sort of worship. Yeah, okay, so yeah, so keeping our eyes on, on God, essentially. Um, why do you think people fall into idolatry then? I'm sorry, why do they fall into what? Why do you think people fall into idolatry then? I think it's our na- it's just our nature. It's our broken nature. I believe we've been doing this since Eden. You know, uh-huh. part of our nature, part of the freedom that he gave us and the free will that he gave us um plays into it. If there was Eve at Eden being told, you can be just like God, and, right. and the serpent was serving her ego, and right. stroking her ego, and she was like, yeah, I can do that, you know, and and we're still doing that, and in many ways, we're still in Eden. You know, it's yeah. still, I want what I want. No, what do you mean I can't have that? What do you mean you don't think it's good for me? And that's the thing. You know, the first commandment, if we're following the first commandment, it almost renders all the rest of them moot. Yeah, because absolutely. Because if we're doing that right, absolutely. we're not doing the other things. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And and that's what the first command, uh, the, the Ten Commandments are about. They're not about no, 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 because you're bad if you do these things. It's about if you do these things, you're not looking at me, and if you're not looking at me, how can I love you? How yeah. can you be letting me love you if you're not looking at me? Absolutely. So don't steal. Look at me. Don't, I don't, don't, don't you know, lust after that person. Look at Look me. Look at me. Yes. And I, let me love you. I love that. I love that. So 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 keeping our eyes on God, looking at God. Um that's that's good advice, Elizabeth. That's all the time we have, but uh, thank you for for sharing your thoughts with <laughs> us today and for sharing this book. I'm sure a lot of our readers our our listeners, your readers, our listeners will appreciate uh your contribution this morning. Oh, it was lovely talking to you. That was a conversation that I had earlier this week with Elizabeth Scalia. She is known in the blogosphere as the Anchoress. She is also the managing editor of the Catholic Portal at Pathias.com. Her new book, Strange Gods, Unmasking the Idols in Everyday Life, is published by Ave Maria Press. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Sarah Kroger, with In the Silence, from her album, Your Time.
That was Sarah Kroger with In the Silence from her album, Your Time. Sarah Kroger is probably one of the newest additions to the Spirit and Song family. <laughs> she's a worship leader in Florida and is a youth, she's a youth minister and music minister at her parish, Holy Name of Jesus. In her short career, though, Sarah has led worship at various Life Teen events and Steubenville Youth Conferences. Sarah's debut album is called Your Time, which we've been listening. Um, that was Sarah's first album, and it features songs co-written with fellow spirit and song artists and Salt and Light radio supporters Josh Blakesley and Sarah Hart. And I'm happy to say that Sarah Kroger joins us now on the phone. Sarah, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you guys. <laughs> so so let's back up here. I always like to, to do this with, with artists when we're speaking to them for the first time. So uh, tell sure. us, what was it like to grow up in the Kroger household? Was it was it a Catholic home? Was it a musical home? What was it like? All of the above. Um, my family, my parents are both music ministers growing up in the Catholic Church. So uh-huh. we were always, obviously, at Mass every week, sometimes multiple Masses every week. Right. Um, and, and always going to church. Um, our, it was like our, our second home was to be at the church because they always have rehearsals going on or whatever it might be. So we were always there. Um, our family was very musical. We loved listening to musicals growing up and <laughs> listening to all different kinds of music. My dad really liked classical music, so he would force us to listen to that right. as kids, <laughs> so, which I'm really glad that he did because it made me just uh, really enjoy all kinds of music. Yeah, so, that's yeah. good. So you didn't have much choice then in... <laughs> No. in your career path were you <laughs> not really i'd say no were no, you i grew up singing yeah for sure and were you did they kind of have you involved in 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 the music ministry in the parish from the time you were little um they they kind of did yeah we we were, we're always a part of the children's choir um yeah. my brother sister and i all all play instruments and uh when i became a teenager my mom kind of was like, it's not an option, you're going to be cantering at Mass. And, and even though I really did not want to and I was terrified to do it, she still completely encouraged me to do it. So really? um, I have her to thank for for just building my confidence in, in sharing the gift that God gave me from, from a young age. Why didn't you want to do it? Were you just it, it, that sort of teenage insecurity, or <laughs> did you not think you could sing? I would say it is that, yeah. I think it was, singing is something that's pretty vulnerable, I think. Yeah. And, uh and so I just kind of wanted to hold on to that. I didn't want anyone to really judge that. I was pretty insecure about it, um, even though my mom told me over and over again, you have the best voice, you have the best voice. Um, uh, yeah. I just didn't really, 
really, uh, I just didn't really want to share that with anybody because I didn't want anybody to, to bring it down. So right. I held on to it for a long time. And then um, I actually went to a camp and Tom Booth, who's uh-huh. another spirit and song artist, of course, yeah. was there. And I and I was sing I somehow got roped into singing with him. My youth minister found out or something like that. And I and I sang with him at mass one day. And he just spoke a couple words of wisdom and said to me, you know. And he didn't even know my story. He just said, you know, it is it's it's denying God's gift to not to not um, share this with others. Sarah, you have a great gift. Wow. And from that point on, I was just like, you know what? I realized that it was a gift from God, and that I was basically throwing it back in his face by not sharing it with others. So. It was from that point on that even with knees shaking and, and sweaty palms and just being terrified that I started to just serve the Lord and uh, give it back to Him. Oh, good. Thank you, Tom Booth, for his words of wisdom there. Amen. I know he's helped a lot of people. Um, did you uh, did you go through a phase as an adolescent or early, uh, you know, young adult? Like you're still a young adult, I guess. Um, but mm-hmm. where you where you sort of didn't even want to do the church thing, or you doubted your faith, or like a little rebellion. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I. What's funny is I always ask everybody that I meet um, in ministry if they were ever a rebel, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just because I like hearing hearing um, like stories of of uh, redemption and yeah. all of that, and yes. all of us yeah. have that kind of a story. For me, though, um, I was raised in a Catholic family, um, and I mean, not that we didn't have problems, but I just always had this knowledge of God from a very young age, and just a desire to please Him from a very young age, and so. Uh, by the grace of God, I was protected from a lot of things when I was a teenager. I never really went through a rebellious phase, shockingly, mm-hmm. but, no. but by the grace of God, it was it, that was great. Um, I always just, and when I started doing music, it was always, I always wanted to do it for the Lord. I never wanted to do it in a secular okay. sense. It was yeah. always just. A desire to give it back to God. Right, so, so. you never, you weren't thinking about American Idol or anything like that. No, <laughs> never, no. When did you start writing music? Yeah, um, only recently, really. I, I uh, only for this last record, really. I, I had, I had started writing melodies and things like that, um, and had ideas of scripture verses that really inspired me. Mm-hmm. I journal a lot, so um, yeah. I, I always have different things that really inspire me and that that take hold of my heart. Um, but it wasn't until I started actually pursuing a record that that I started writing more seriously, and that's when um, I got together with Sarah Hart and with Josh Blakesley and was able right. to write um, the first record with them. So, okay, so 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 tell us about that, because so here you are. Uh, I'm not going to say because I don't know how old you are, but you're not old. You're you're <laughs> a young woman. You're you're That's you're funny. singing. Like, how did you go to like? Oh, I'm going to write an album. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> Well, um, I, it's a long story, but I'll try to make it short. I, I went to college for music, uh-huh. um, always had a desire to do music, and I originally had planned, my plan was to be an elementary music teacher, but I always had a desire to be a worship leader, to travel as a music missionary of, okay. of some sort. Yeah. For some reason, had that desire, but didn't really know how it was going to happen. I, I really felt called to just kind of give it to the Lord and allow Him to, to move in that, because you don't want to promote yourself. And I, I just I was never that kind of person. And so right, yeah. I always wanted to just give it to God. And, and Josh kind of came into my path. I worked at a camp called Camp Cove Crest, mm-hmm. the ice cream camp in, in uh, team, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. And so I worked there for a summer, and Josh came through. Ben Walter, who's another student and song yeah, artist, of course, came through. Yeah. I had the opportunity to sing with a lot of them, and then uh, Josh, the next summer, basically contacted me and said, 
uh, and said, I need someone to do Steubenville conferences. Will you oh, come nice. with us? And, right. and uh, basically just had seen something in me that that I, I really wasn't sure what it was, but had seen something in me and, and decided to pursue me and, and then asked me to do uh, an album. So that's kind of how it unfolded. And the, it was all the Lord. Yeah, you know what? I, that is so, I think it is so amazing on how God works. You're not the first person that tells me a very similar story that God puts something really? in your heart. God puts something in your heart. You see yourself doing, like in your case, you saw yourself doing, you know, worship, leading in a conference. And next thing right. you know, that's where God's taking you. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, so you ended up working with with Josh and with I mean, Sarah Hart is like the best songwriter in the oh world. Oh my gosh! So the best in the world. <laughs> um, so okay, so but, see, there's so many questions I want to ask you, and I want to ask you about this new album that's coming out. But before that, you you just came back from Ghana with I on a did. trip with Catholic Release Services, and uh, I did. Was Ben Walther part of that? that group as well? Ben Walter was a part of that. Ken Canedo, Valamar Gibson, Greg Walton. I think Rob Fiducia went no. Robert Fiducia went as yeah, well. Yeah, he did yeah. went as well. Okay, yeah, because I think he's the one. Yeah. And and uh, Greg Walton, good friend of mine too. Um, how yeah. was that? What was that? Uh, what was that all about? And how was it? <laughs> it was incredible. It's very difficult to kind of put it into words. Um, it was a life changing experience for all of us involved. The the purpose of the trip was to to be a partnership between OCP and CRS, um, which is something that's never really happened before. Okay, so so and, OCP and being Oregon Catholic Press was the music Oregon publisher, Catholic Press, and correct. Catholic and Release Services, CRS, yeah, Catholic Release Services, which is the American Church's outreach yes. to the world. Yes, um, and and so for many reasons, it was just an incredible trip. Um, the partnership is so unique because so many artists with with Oregon Catholic Press with OCP yeah. travel the country and speak to young people, speak to speak to all ages. Yeah, and um, and so it's really an opportunity for us to become more involved in social justice in our church and and within especially the the American church and and to be able to spread the message of CRS and and really ignite for me. I, I felt a real need um, to ignite the young church, especially in in just being proud of their church. Because the Catholic Church, as, as I've come to realize through this trip and through my knowledge of CRS now, um, the Catholic Church is the number one charitable organization in the yes, world. Absolutely. And it's something to be so proud of. Absolutely. Not that it wasn't already something to be proud of, but, but there are so many things to be proud of, and this is one of them. And one of the things that a lot of people can get involved in that they don't know so um, so it's a really unique opportunity for us as artists to be able to take the message of CRS to now our, our other our ministries and to bring the message of social justice and our brothers and sisters around the world, their stories, to, to the people of America. Amen. Good stuff. So um, in the little time that we have, then tell me about this new album that's supposed to drop next week or two weeks from now. Yeah. Um, this album is called Hallelujah is Our Song. It's seven brand new songs. Um, actually, one of them is a cover of The King of Love, My Shepherd. Uh-huh. And uh, we, I wrote this song out of a period of, of desolation, of, of desperation for God. There was a lot of change going on, a lot of different suffering and different uh, people that were in my life that are close to my family. And, and so there was there was a real sense of desperation and um and there was a lot of prayer revolved around the idea that um, there's a, with every cross there's a resurrection, and really that we are an Easter people, like like J, the yeah. JP two quote says, um, yeah, yeah. "Do not abandon yourself to despair, for we are an Easter people, and Hallelujah is our song." Mm-hmm. And so that's 
really where the inspiration for the album came out. I'm really excited to be able to share it with people. Oh, yeah, so am I, so am I. I hope uh, that my copy is already in the mail. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, and that's published by Spirit and Song. Correct. Correct. Okay, good. Sarah, that's all the time we have, but it's been so, so neat connecting with you finally and, and, and you. getting to know you and chatting. I'm sure our paths will cross some uh, at some it point. It would be great. That's, okay. Thank you so much. It was great to talk. Sarah Kroger's uh, album, Your Time, as well as the new album, Hallelujah, Hallelujah is Our Song, are available through spiritandsong.com, and you can also learn more about Sarah at her website, sarahkroger.com. That's Kroger with a K, K-R-O-G-E-R. And here she is now from her album, Your Time, with a song that was co-written by Josh Blakesley and Sarah Hart. Sarah Kroger with Impossible Things. listening to Impossible Things by Sarah Kroger from her album Your Time and that will take us to the end of the program we're going to be giving away a copy of Sarah Kroger's Your Time all you have to do is go to our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio and look for where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prices enter your name and email address for a chance to win and remember that you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light Hour programs at that same website saltandlighttv.org slash radio that's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music and devotions Christian music like never before thanks to the generous support of artists like Sarah Kroger and spiritandsong.com check out our website to learn how you can listen to online and on the go on your mobile device saltandlighttv.org slash radio and if you're on Facebook look us up facebook.com slash slradio1 lots going on you can also find me on Facebook Deacon Pedro and my Twitter handle is at Deacon Pedro GM. 
Thank you for your support, for your donations. We can't do what we do without your financial support. And thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.